Hey everyone, before we kick off the show today, just want to send out a heartfelt thanks to you for making Crunch Time Plays a part of your day. If you're in the car, going to and from work, if you're folding laundry or whatever you may be doing in your everyday life, however you may be listening, wherever you may be listening, I just want to welcome you and thank you so much for listening to Crunch Time Plays. If this is your first time with us, I just want to welcome you. If you're a returning listener, just want to thank you so much for being with us throughout the rest of these episodes and just can't thank you enough for your support. If you are a first time listener, though, I just want to plug the first seven guests we had on this podcast and please feel free to check out those episodes. Some really great stuff by some really awesome people in the sports world. And so I just want to take this opportunity to to promote them. Episode number one was Auburn Undercover's Nathan King. Episode number two, former North Carolina basketball coach Matt Doherty. He's the author of the new book, Rebound, From Pain to Passion. Third guest was John Shipley of Jaguar Report, part of the SI.com Fan Nation Network. Episode number four, college football extraordinaire. Josh Pate of 24-7 Sports, host of The Late Kick with Josh Pate. Episode number five is Watch Fox 57 in Columbia, South Carolina, Mike Yuva. And if you haven't tried the Yuva from Bojangles, make sure you try that as well. Famous biscuit uh, that Mike has gone viral with. Episode number six, Locked on the Gamecocks host, Keith Allsep. So make sure to check out that podcast. And then episode number seven, we had Aaron Torres from Fox Sports Radio, host of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. So if you haven't checked out the first seven episodes, highly encourage you to do that. And thank you once again for making Crunch Time Plays a part of your day. And with that being said, it is time to kick off another show. Roll the intro. And here we go. It's time for the Crunch Time Plays podcast, where we talk all things sports from the collegiate level all the way up to the pros. And now, here's your host, Bennett Ganey. All right, welcome in to episode number eight of Crunch Time Plays. I'm so delighted to be joined by Bleacher Report's Paige Quinn. You can find her on the two guys, one girl, and a podcast as well. I definitely love that podcast. So if you haven't checked it out, make sure you do that. And we're so delighted to have Paige on with us today. Paige, how are you? And thank you for coming on. I'm doing great. Thank you very, very much for having me. And thank you for listening to our podcast. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. I definitely love it. All right. So we were talking before we came on. We actually started recording about bourbon. So I got to know what your favorite bourbon is. I know you're a big bourbon person. So I just got to know about it. Yep. So, um, my favorite is Blanton's. Um, I recently discovered it probably in the last, I would say a couple of months and, um, have now been on the hunt out here in Northern California for any place that has it. And whenever it's in stock, I get a bottle just to, to keep it on there, but that's definitely my favorite. Well, definitely. I've I learned something new, you know, I never heard of Blanton's before and, you know, that's like I said, my favorite, my favorite is Woodford. I love the, love making me a nice old fashioned, get that 
old-fashioned uh, stuff that you buy at the grocery store and then having me an orange peel and block of ice in there. So that's definitely my favorite. Yeah, I would recommend trying Blanton's for sure. All right, I definitely will try that. All right, so we got a lot of stuff to get into. I got some um, some college basketball stuff, some NFL draft stuff going on. Just want to get your thoughts on the, the top 16 reveal uh, that was on Saturday and do you, whether or not you think it's good or bad for college basketball. I know from a fan's perspective, we're just kind of – where it gives us something to talk about. We're used to getting that in the middle of the year for past, you know, three or four years. And But I'm curious your take on, from a coach's and player's perspective, how difficult that is when you kind of know – where you stand in the middle of February and just how difficult that is to kind of manage, especially for coaches with another players get pretty hyped up and where they're seated and all that. But we realize we still have almost another month of the season to play. So I'm just kind of curious about your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think it's a positive on all fronts, um, mostly for fans, obviously, because it gets them excited for March Madness, especially because we didn't get one last year. This is such a positive thing for people to see it to know that it's happening, to have a plan in terms of how it's going to be played um, and what's going to happen in terms of COVID and, and protocols um, like that. But I think, too, for for teams this year specifically, this is a positive because they get to see where they're at because there's a lot of different factors in how you evaluate teams. I mean, there are teams that have only played 15 games that are in and some that have played 20. Like, there's just – it's going to be, like, a lot like college football where – you know, it was sort of nice to see where everyone fell and how they evaluated teams based on how many games they've played, strength of schedule, things like that. And um, I think in a normal year, coaches would probably have an issue with this just because they'd be a little worried about stuff coming out. And I know teams don't historically do well after they're ranked in the top 16 on that day or the that weekend. Um, but I think ultimately it's a positive thing this year because they can see how um the teams are being evaluated and how they're going to go about kind of putting teams in this in a very strange year yeah I mean I agree with that I know in the years past I've kind of you know I I love March Madness is my favorite time of the year as and you know this this time specifically is my favorite time of the year we got you know college basketball and the NBA going on got college baseball starting up this week got Major League Baseball just around the corner, talking about the NFL drafts. There's just a lot of sports topics this time of the year. So that's that's really why I love it. And especially getting closer to March around the corner. How how big of a deal do you think it is for especially this year for the committee in general to have released those top 16 rankings in the middle of the year just to kind of for teams to kind of get a feel of where they're at because like you said teams haven't played the same amount of games just how big of a deal was that for those teams specifically just to kind of see where they're at yeah I think outside of Gonzaga and Baylor like everyone kind of wants to know how they're being evaluated um, especially with teams that have been had been forced to be put into a pause like Michigan or things like that Um, I do think it is a really a big deal for those those programs, do I think that yes, coaches will obviously say they don't want to look at it. That's not, you know, we just need to keep winning games day by day, the usual coach speak. 
But I think, you know, there's no harm in this. I think there was more harm done during the college football season when we get one every week starting in the middle of the year. Um, Those reveals become a little frustrating because we're not really sure. The committee goes back on a lot of the things they suggested they were going to evaluate on earlier in the year. Um, So I think there's no harm in just the one time letting us know, because again, there are obviously tons of of, um, bracket projections that start to come out this year. I know at Bleacher Report, we do that once a week. So there is that um, for people to look at if they want to um, and just get an opinion based on that. It's super helpful to see for us too at Bleacher Report what, you know, the committee is actually doing right now um, to kind of make those evaluations as well, because it is such a unique year. Yeah. How, how fun is it for you? I know I get a big kick out of it, filling out my bracket every year. This, how fun is it for you to kind of, cause I, I don't know how many brackets I fill out a year. I fill out probably eight or nine just with, you know, just random metrics and stats that I look at and just yeah. who I'm aligned with and different things like that. How, how fun is that for you to kind of fill out your bracket every year? You know what? It's actually kind of funny. I, people will ask me to do their bracket stuff for them. And I'm like, honestly, you don't want me to because I'm going to overthink this. And March Madness is not something you overthink. It's sort of like fantasy football. Like some people really like they have spreadsheets and everything. And realistically speaking, sometimes the best people at that are the people that don't know the ins and the outs of the game because they overthink it and make decisions that maybe they shouldn't have made. Um, And I think March Madness is so unique in the sense that like, it's it's like it's a big gamble like it's a giant gamble there's a reason why there's no perfect brackets all the time you know what I mean because there is just so many factors um but I love just the aspect of doing it and usually I do like a bracket where I look at it and I really fully think about it and then I have my like fun bracket where I like get creative and pick some serious upsets um they both obviously end up being scratched out and I'm wrong. And and every year I pick Arizona to win when they're actually in the tournament um, because I went to the University of Arizona. So it's hard for me. I never want to pick against them. So I always uh, end up picking them in whatever bracket that I choose. And, um, but it is just like part of the, the like pageantry that is March Madness. Like it's so fun to do those things. It's so fun for it to be back. I'm so happy it's back this year. Um, it is a monster of a thing to cover um, in terms of job, but you know what? I'm grateful that, you know what? I get to do this for a living and they pay me to watch college basketball. So, you know what? Um, very excited for it to be back and maybe I'll fill out more brackets this year because I'm just happy that it's back again. See, that's, that's kind of me. I think honestly, I feel like I'll fill out more brackets this year because I didn't get to last year. Yeah. And so I think this year I might, you know, fill out, 12 or 13 brackets, you know, just, but yeah. speak, speaking of Arizona, I'm curious to, to find out from you, cause I know you mm-hmm. went there, how you think their season has gone and, and how big of a run do you think they can make? Yeah, I think, um, the season has gone well, considering I think, um, due to, uh, circumstances around NCAA violations, they are self-imposing a ban. Um, and will not be in the NCAA tournament this year, which is unfortunate, but it's also a positive because I think they know the things that, you know, are coming and they want to get ahead of it. But I also think that they are going to have a lot of guys return next year and are going to be able to put together a really great team. And Sean Miller is still a fantastic college basketball coach. 
um, despite some of the criticisms he's been under. So I do think that when they do get the chance, they will make a deep run. And I'm hoping for a national championship within the next couple of years, to be honest with you. Hey, I mean, I, I hope for you that that happens. But uh, thank kinda, you. Kinda, <laughs> you're welcome. Kind of similar to what Auburn's doing this year with, with Bruce Pearl self-imposing that ban. And mm-hmm. how, how do you think the NCAA will look at that just the, for those two teams specifically, do you think the NCAA will just kind of come in with a rubber stamp and just be like done? Or do you think that there might be some further penalties for those couple of teams? So I think they would like to make an example out of um, those programs. Unfortunately, um, do I think that they have enough evidence and things that they originally, because I mean the whole, this whole all th- all revolves around the FBI scandal and um, assistants taking money um, who, but these assistants were basically bribed to take this money. And it, it is, it's a very sticky situation, but I do think that the NCAA will try and make an example out of them. So I do think those two programs specifically have self-imposed a ban, but I do think they get more than just that. I do think they're going to give them more. Do I know when it's going to happen? No idea because this has been dragging on for quite some time now. Um, but I do think that they will try and make an example out of, out of, um, you know, those programs that were caught up in the FBI scandal because they were so, the NCAA was so embarrassed by the whole thing. Um, even though it didn't, you know, come out to be this big thing in the end, um, they didn't really have all the evidence that they claimed they did, but I, I do think that the NCAA was was upset that they were embarrassed in that way and will definitely make an example out of the programs involved. Yeah, it's it's just funny to me how it's, it seems like the, the sports are kind of different. You know, basketball, you got these big sneaker companies around, you know, everybody's got their own shoe. You got Steph Curry with the Curry shoe. You got KD, mm-hmm. Kyrie, they all have their own shoe. And yeah. Zion's got his own shoe now, not to mention he blew out a shoe, you know, last, yeah. when he was at Duke. And so he's on the, on the Jordan train now instead of, instead of Nike. The Nike, but, uh, yeah. But uh, just how big of a deal is that, especially when you got the potential for the name, image, and likeness coming up soon? How, how hard do you think it'll be for the NCAA to kind of step in and say, or, or do you think the NCAA just won't have any control over what teams and those big companies are doing from now on? Yeah, I think conferences are going to take it into their own hands, which is amazing because I do think that the NCAA um, has benefited from these players long enough without them being able to benefit. Um, I think in all sports, they should be able to do it. I think um, it's definitely going to be, Difficult because there are so many factors that go in. It's not just as simple as like these guys get paid for for what their name, image, and likeness is on because it needs to be fair across all sports. And um, the ability to make money um, is, you know, needs to be regulated, of course. But um, I do think that it's a positive thing that, you know, this stuff's going to happen. I think the NCA would rather it not, but I don't really think they have a choice. And so they're going to have to go along with it. Um, It'll be interesting to see with college basketball and college football specifically because, I mean, name, image, and likeness is not being paid for play. So I think that's other thing that people need to really understand the difference in because they're, you know, 
the re they're making these schools money still without, you know, taking away from that, they're going to just make their own money on top of it. So that would be the big differentiator that I hope that most like fans of college sports and amateurism um, sort of think about because it is still, it's not taking money away from anyone else. Um, it's just additional money on top of it. So um, I think it's a positive thing. I do think that players deserve some compensation for the, the attention they bring to schools. Um, but I, I also see why people are so hesitant because there are so many factors that go into making this all work. And I, I think too, with like the NCAA football video game coming back and things like that, um, they know it's a slow burn. Um, they're not planning on releasing anything right away. And they know that it's going to take the next couple of years to kind of get that figured out. But it's very exciting in my opinion for, for college athletes. Yeah, I agree. And you led right into my next question, which was the, (laughs) which was the football game. You know, I, I've always loved playing it growing up. That's what I played. I played mm-hmm. college football on the PlayStation. I played college basketball, which speaking of college basketball game, I, I think especially they should make another college basketball game, I think. Yeah. A lot of people had said that when the, the football one announced the, the uh, in the last couple of weeks, um, and they were like, bring back the basketball one. So I think we will see it. Um, basketball, I feel like, would be easier to regulate because there's less players. Just math-wise, it's easier. But, um, yeah, it should be interesting to see that stuff come back. And I'm excited for everyone that was a fan of the game. I mean, I only played it when I was super young, but, like, I was nowhere near the level of, like, fandom that some of the people that I'm associated with are. And um, everyone was very, very excited when that happened. And it was shocking, but I was really happy for everyone. So when I was in college – um, coming up when I was a sophomore in college, we would, a couple buddies had the old X, they had the Xbox 360 and we used to play NCAA football 14 on mm-hmm. that. And we probably had like eight or nine people. So we had eight or nine dynasties going on. We were, <laughs> you know, winning national championships yeah. at, at, at Kentucky and Bowling Green <laughs> and different places like that. So yeah, <laughs> I just enjoyed playing that game so much. And I do, I do think it's a big deal um, to kind of wait and see uh, what the NCAA decides on the name, image and likeness as far as releasing the game. Just one point that I want to go back to that you brought up, which I think is a great point, getting paid for name, image and likeness is not paid for play. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times people get that confused. Just kind of explain what that kind of means and, and what the big differences are there. Yeah, the big difference is that, you know, these players would be compensated for things that, you know, directly are affiliated with them and not the university. So they're not being paid to play in a certain amount of games. They're not getting a contract based on that. They're just saying that, like, okay, if, say, an Alabama football player wants to get paid for being the spokesperson for the locals Mercedes-Benz, he can do that and he can have a contract separate and be paid for that. Um, not what he's doing on the field, but just his popularity and his celebrity almost, which I understand does partially come from the university, but it also comes from their skill and their talent. And that's what professional players are paid separately as well for that. So there's a big difference between the two. Um, and I know a lot of people want to say that a scholarship pay is what they're being paid. And I got to tell you the amount that their scholarship is and what they make for that school, specifically Alabama, Tennessee, the SEC schools, we'll just say the SEC. Um, those, that's a big deal. That's a lot of money that they're bringing in um, for what they're putting on the field. So um, I do think that it's important that people know the difference. Um, 
But I also don't think that if they were being paid for play, that a scholarship would be nearly enough money to pay uh, a player what they're bringing in, especially the big guys in, in college football. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I wanted to ask you what you think about the discrepancy between name, image, and likeness kind of does come into play. What mm-hmm. kind of this discrepancy is between the star players on the team? You know, you got your Devontae Smiths, your Trevor Lawrence's of the world. All those big boosters and things that those schools are going to be wanting them to, you know, be in a car commercial or be the spokesman for their business or whatever. Whereas some guy that's not as well known on the team, let's say the long snapper or member of the offensive line or somebody like that, or somebody mm-hmm. that's not as well known on the basketball team. Just where do you, where do you think kind of the discrepancy is there and how that would come into play with that? Yeah, it'll definitely be difficult um, for some players because I think it will cause, um, you know, some of them to maybe be a tad jealous of the other. But I think maybe, you know, that's life. You know, you have to learn those things. And I think especially like in a sports environment, like so much of what makes sports great is that a lot of the times you're not babied. You're forced to be put in a difficult position. You're forced to sacrifice for your teammate or to be the lesser guy, the lesser known guy who. Yeah, I mean, there are offensive linemen that are not going to get the credit, but, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going to get the credit for something. And, you know, that's just part of it already. I think, yes, it's unfortunate. But I think, too, I hope it teaches, you know, those guys at a young age how to manage money and how to, you know, figure out those things earlier. Because I think sometimes they go from college where if they're being paid, they're hiding it and it's not in a way that they're in control of it or it's attached to them. Um, I know some people wouldn't like to believe that, but that's, is what happens. And, um, you know, I think it would be nice if they were able to learn how to manage money and learn how to find brands that fit what they are and not just take money from anyone. I think it it would teach kids valuable lessons that maybe they, they need to learn sooner than at the next level when they're being taken advantage of. And there's a lot more money at stake at that point. Yeah, man, I agree. And the awesome stuff there. I was just I was just thinking about whenever you were answering that question, like take, mm-hmm. you know, Zion Williamson, for example, he was obviously a great college basketball player at Duke, highly touted. He's a one and done. He's gonna go to the he went to the NBA, gets drafted by the Pelicans, he's making millions of dollars. I where do you think the kind of the the kind of influence in somebody's life at that kind of young age where you've you're a millionaire at 19 years old. And I, I know it's important to have, you know, mentors in your life, different things like that. Just talk about kind of that. And um, just how do you think does, I know that obviously plays into the name, image and likeness stuff as well. You just need to have a mentors in your life to kind of guide you and help you make best decisions with your money. Yeah. I think it's also going to be important for kids more so when they decide on school. And we've seen recently a lot of transfers, like the transfer portal has now become this thing and it's basically college football free agency. And I think you'll see some highly touted guys um, maybe be a little bit humbled by some of their experiences and stay at places because it is going to garner more money for them. Um, You know, I think, um, it's definitely not an easy task to have these kids um, having so much attention at such a young age. But I think we've already sort of dealt with that a little bit in the sense that, like, 
I mean, even Bleacher Report, we used to make recruiting videos that were like kids jumping out of airplanes to announce their commitment. Like there was so much money and, you know, excitement. And that's just the nature of college football. Um, Specifically, I think even college basketball, like if you go to the Blue Bloods, like there's so much there um, and attention that comes with that already. The money thing, I think, is just going to be an added part of it. I don't think it's as different as people think it will be for these kids because it's just going to be more public knowledge and they're able to, you know, choose a little bit more of the the way they're getting paid as opposed to, um, you know, maybe under the table or just the success that they have on the court and or and or on the field um, being the providing force towards what they get to make in the future. It's interesting you bring up the transfer portal because that there's another segue into something else that I wanted to ask you. And I asked, mm-hmm. um, I asked Josh Pate about this from 24 seven sports. One of the earlier episodes that I did on this podcast. And I asked mm-hmm. him what the kind of the saving grace is for maybe fans of, and then I kind of wanted to get your opinion on playoff expansion. We're talking about maybe going from four to eight. Do you, do you think, because obviously fans are getting, I I believe that fans get tired of seeing the same teams going to the playoff every year, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. And one of the questions that I had was what it what's kind of the the saving grace maybe for fans. And I think name image and likeness is definitely one, but I also think another one is the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the transfer portal is a good thing for in most cases. I do think that there are some kids that normally should, you know, sit and maybe learn. And, um, you know, when they go off to school, they're not the guy because most of them are the guy at their high school. I think um, there, it depends on the coaches you get and the ability to be able to sit down and say, Hey, you know what, maybe this isn't the year that I'm the number one guy, but I can sit back, pay my dues and, and make it work here because life is not always like where you're like, okay, I just don't like it. And I can go, you know, there are other factors in life that can contribute. But then again, life is where if you're not happy, and you want to make a change in your decision, you can. So it makes me happy that there's a little bit of both. And it kind of mimics reality of like, okay, yes, there are times where like, you know, say you don't have any other offers to go anywhere else, you know, then you're gonna have to make it work. That's like, if you have a job you don't like, and you don't have any offers, you can't find anything yet. But when you do, you can take that opportunity if you feel it's right. It's going to, and you, you have to live with the consequences or, or the, the positives of whatever decision you make. So I ultimately think it's a good thing um, because I, it's a weird thing that like college coaches can just be like, okay, bye, I'm leaving. And they have a contract and everything like that, but they're going somewhere else, but then kids have to not be allowed to make that decision. So I think it's a positive in those aspects. Um, In terms of playoff expansion, I'm, definitely all for it. But I would say that like, I'm probably in the like group that isn't like, I don't mind seeing the same teams play because I understand that those are the best teams in the country. I think, you know, we were, we saw it this year, like the committee knew that Ohio state was one of the best four teams in the country, their resume and all of that didn't appear to be that way. So I understand why they, they passed the eye test and they passed the historically relevant test and were allowed in. Now, do I think there were teams that should have been allowed in? Absolutely. And I would love an expansion because I think it would be fun for us to get different matchups. Um, I do think we still see the same winners. Like, 
there was no one that was going to beat this Alabama team. I was saying it all from the, from probably mid season. I was like, yeah, no, even Clemson's not going to beat this team. So I think, um, I'm glad that, uh, it's, it's more norm than not. Cause I think when the playoff first started, people were like, no, 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 no. Let's not expand. This is how we're going to do it. If you don't like it, get out. Um, but also I went to a Pac-12 school. So for me, the Pac-12 is often left out and you have to be an undefeated Pac-12 champ to be in the college football playoff top four. And the competition in the Pac-12 is not so top heavy as it is in other conferences. And you do lose a game. Like that's just part of it. That's just the nature of that, the the way that conference is. It doesn't make it any less because of it. I'm not saying it's, it's a solid power five. It's, it's hit or miss. It depends on the year, really. But I'm just saying that that is the case a lot of the times is like there could be a one loss or even potentially a two loss SEC team that would be put in over a Pac-12 team that lost a game. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, there's a lot of factors that go into all of those things. But um, I, I'm all for expansion. I would love to see some group of five teams in um because I think it's fun to watch I love watching the New Year's Six games when they put them against power five opponents um but I think it should be for something I think they really and and if it's not then they need to to make their own playoff and say hey we're gonna we're gonna crown a national champion this way so yeah I mean I'm I'm definitely all for playoff expansion to eight I mean I I love the the exclusiveness of the playoff with four but I think like you said it's more fun with eight because I'm like you. I love watching, you know, the coastal Carolinas of the world, the, Mm -hmm. you know, the liberties of the world, the UCFs of the world, Cincinnati. I just think that they, that they need to have, to have a shot. And especially with all the guys opting out of bowl games now, I mean, you see the people, Florida opting out, opting out of the cotton bowl, one of the most prestigious bowls in college football. And they're, opting out you got Kyle Pitts and those guys opting out because hey we're not in the playoff like we ain't got nothing to play for yeah and so so that's why I'm for expansion I think and it does present a problem for you know not to not to hate on Clemson because I went to South Carolina but Clemson Mm -hmm. plays in the ACC I mean the the ACC is just not very good right now (laughs) and so that's fair and so I especially you know Teams from the Pac-12, I, they deserve to get in because they play they play a really difficult schedule. You know, mm-hmm. I would have I would have loved to see you know Oregon in the playoff, kind of see what they could do, you know, with Alabama or Clemson or so forth. But you know, I'm I'm like you, I'm I'm definitely for expansion. That's awesome. All right, so I want to move now to um, speaking of the Group of Five. I wanted to get your thoughts on Gus Malzahn to UCF. And who do you think made the better hire? Because I love the idea of Gus Malzahn going to Knoxville, going to Tennessee, and instead Danny White gets Josh Heupel. I, I personally think that UCF got the better end of the deal there. What do you What do you think about that? So I absolutely agree with you. I think Tennessee is going to have significant regret for not having Gus Malzahn come to their school. Um, not only because of who he is as a football coach, but who he is as a person and what that program needed at the time. Um, I, I definitely think that uh, UCF is going to be very, very relevant 
So um, I'm excited because I love that conversation. And also it's just going to annoy Alabama fans and that's going to be funny. I mean, I love Alabama, um, but I, it is funny to see how upset they get over Gus because he's beaten Nick. So uh, a few times. So I think um, it'll be kind of cool to see that like rivalry re-sparked, especially because they always name themselves the champions um, after that undefeated season. So um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sorry to Tennessee fans because that was a big, big miss, I think, in my opinion. But I'm excited for for Gus, and I do think it's going to be exciting football to watch. Yeah, I do. I do too. I, I don't know about I don't know about Josh Eiffel to Tennessee. I mean, I know Danny Danny White. He got his guy. He mm-hmm. you know took a swing at you know James Franklin, a couple of different coaches like that, and and they didn't want to come to Knoxville, so he ends up settling for Josh Heupel, even though he said, you know, it's his number one choice. I mean, it, it obviously wasn't, but, <laughs> but just for Tennessee, I think Josh Heupel runs an offense where he goes 4,920 miles an hour and they're, they're rarely are on the field and their defense is on the field you know, 45 minutes a game out of 60. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's just going to be very difficult for him. I think he's going to get a lot of shell shot from the SEC. Yeah, it's definitely um, going to be interesting for him. Um, I also think it was funny that the reporter asked Gus Malzahn if he was sure um, he knew what pressure cooker he was getting into uh, with UCF. And I was like, buddy, there's this thing called SEC football. Let me tell you. It is very unique. I didn't grow up a big college football fan um, because I grew up in California, but um, having worked in college football for the last five years, I have had newfound respect for those who grew up in the South and rooting for SEC teams because it is a very, very unique um, set of fan bases for sure. Yeah, I mean, so it's funny you mentioned him, Darren Stolzfus, he asked that question. He mm-hmm. was on a show that that I'm a huge fan of in South Carolina called JB and Goldwater. They broadcast uh-huh. they broadcast out of Charleston, and he was on there today uh, talking about that, explaining he, it. He, he took he, heat for it. He didn't need to take heat for that. He really didn't. He, I, he, it was funny. I knew what he meant, but it was just so funny that he said it the way he did. And I think immediately he was like, "Oh no." See, see, I'm I'm the same way. Like I. I just watched the video and I just laughed because I I knew what he was trying. We we all knew what he was trying yeah. to what he was trying to say. It just didn't come out the way he wanted it to. Which yeah. I mean, I know that happens to me a lot. Like oh, I say, that I, happens to me all the time. So yeah, I feel bad. I don't think he needed the heat. And I saw that he explained himself. I think on Twitter too. But I just thought it was entertaining because I think. Um, you know, Gus would have been a great fit at Tennessee. And I think he would have known the pressure of that. And I just think when you have a stand-up guy like that, not only a good football coach, but a good person, that is just, it's not, I don't want to say it's rare, but it's, it's just a very unique situation to be, have that available to you and somebody who's been in the SEC and dealt with those pressures. So yeah, I think he would have been fine no matter where he landed, but I think he's, he's going to do a great job at, at, in uh, Florida. Yeah, I think so too. And I I know he, you know, said that he contemplated, you know, taking a year off or or something like that. And he was able to to do a lot of the things he wanted to do in his short hiatus there from Auburn. But one 
when I look at the time, the timing of this, it seems like throughout Gus Malzahn's career, everything has been the perfect time for him. Like whenever he went back to Auburn from Arkansas State, and the next year they play in the national championship game. It's, it just seems like everything he does is kind of the perfect time for it. And I think that, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, but the timing of him going to UCF and the about about the time we're getting ready to expand this college football playoff, I, I think this is the perfect time for him to try to go win a national championship there at UCF. Yeah, I honestly think it's good for college football that he's there because he's someone who's coached in the SEC. He's a respectable individual um, and has not cheated his way through the system. And, um, you know, I think some comments were made about the Cincinnati coach speaking his mind about, you know, not being included in the playoff. And I think it was very fair. And there were some people that criticized and said, you know, if you're a group of five coach, you should probably not say anything and just be grateful that you're in, you know, the conversation. Um, but really they're not. And so I think having a guy like Gus be a part of that group now and be able to be the spokesperson for them, um, to be included in these conversations and be taken seriously is a huge step forward for, for college football and the college football playoff. Absolutely. And I think he's the perfect guy for it. Like I said, he didn't cheat his way around, you know, he's, he's done things the right way and he's, he's won a decent amount of games. It's not like he's an awful coach. The expectations are just extremely high at certain places. Um, And when you run up against Nick Saban often, even though you beat him, people still are going to be upset. So um, yeah, I think um, it's a great thing for college football that he's there and especially for a group of five teams for sure. All right, that's awesome stuff. All right, I want to move to the NFL draft real quick. I know you're a big okay. 49ers fan. And yes. so I want to get your thoughts on where do you think, who do you think they're going to take in the draft and give me some prospects there. Yeah, so it it all depends because I do think that there is the potential of us trading away um, some of our best players to get one of the best players um, and the best quarterback into Sean Watson. Um, but if if we don't go that route and things stay as is, I do think we should um, draft a quarterback. Now, do I know? I, I, I don't know, depending on how – the problem is, is I would love to draft a quarterback, but I don't think there's going to be one that I want there. I don't think we have to take one. I do think we can take, like, a corner. Um, we can take, like, a Patrick Sertan or, or um, Farley out of Virginia Tech. Like, I'm I'm totally fine with that um route because I don't think I mean out of the top four quarterback I'd say there's four that I would be comfortable taking after that I don't think you know I would sacrifice a a top 12 pick on one of the other guys um I know as much as people would love to hear I would I would not probably take Mac um but uh but yeah, no, I think um, they should go corner if things stay the same because I don't think that the guys are available that we're going to want. But I'd want like a Trey Lance. I'm not really into a Zach Wilson. Um, and I mean, I'd obviously love Trevor Lawrence, but that's never going to happen. So um, yeah, I would say if things stay as is, they should they should definitely um, go corner because that's the biggest need. But honestly, by the time the draft comes, I just don't see it being the situation that we're in currently just because of everything that's happening in terms of quarterbacks on every NFL team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I think the the Jaguars have Trevor Lawrence pretty much locked up, especially yes. 
got him to move up his pro day before he had his so- shoulder surgery today. Yeah. Here, here on Tuesday. So <laughs> I know they're pretty. I would love pre- to have him for sure, but that, it's not going to happen, obviously. So I, I don't know. And I actually, I talked to John Shipley about this from Jaguar Report and one of the earlier episodes. What a team would have to give up to get the Jaguars number one pick. And he said basically that the Jaguars are not going to entertain any offers for the yeah. number one. No, pick. there's no, there's no reason um, to, I think the 49ers could potentially um, move up if they wanted to, to draft one of the other quarterbacks that are are there. Um, but it, it's just all going to depend on what happens in terms of Deshaun Watson and, and Sam Darnold. And I mean, everybody else, um, there's just so many moving parts, but after seeing what, you know, um, teams gave up for for Matthew Stafford I'm not sure um that they're like it just that was mind-boggling to me and I'm like oh my gosh now Deshaun Watson's gonna go for like someone's firstborn child as well because there's just so much that you're giving up um and he's the second best best young quarterback in the league behind Patrick Mahomes so I just feel like that um yeah it's gonna be an interesting and um, an interesting offseason and leading into the draft because I just think there's going to be so many shocking things that we did not expect coming out of the NFL and it feels a lot like the NBA uh, where players are getting to decide a little bit more of their their future which is exciting but um, it's also makes for chaos for sure. Does it seem like to you because I know it does for me it seems like there's more and anti- as we sit here in February we should be getting ready for the combines not happening this year because of COVID, but is there as much anticipation to you heading into April this year that there has been in the past years? Because it feels like to me that there's a lot more anticipation, at least for me, going into the draft this year than in previous years. I think people are just curious what's going to happen. There's an appetite for, okay, things are going to move around and this isn't going to be as black and white as we're used to. We're used to, you know, people being free agents and things happening and, and, you know, trades happening, but not to the extent that we're experiencing now, especially because the rumor mill is so, I mean, it is going, it is, it is next level for the NFL to, to have some of these, these big names and things tweeting about stuff themselves, having people tweet random rumors about who's going where. Um, it's sort of gotten a little out of hand, but um, yeah, I, I think there is a lot of anticipation this year for the draft because I do think the other part of it is, is, you know, teams are really looking to get what they need out of the draft. And this year it's harder to do that because you don't know and can't evaluate these players in the same way you were able to before, whether it be the fact that they didn't play a college football season, whether it be that they only played six games in the college football season, or they just, you just haven't been able to get out and see them play in person. Um, There's so many factors. So I think there's a little bit more of anxiousness in terms of what teams are going to do because it's not so black and white because the evaluation process is just so different for these guys now. Who is a better prospect in your mind? Is it Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith? Because when I look at Jamar Chase, I see a guy that, you know, opted out of this year. But then when I see Devontae Smith, yeah, there's some questions about his height and weight and different things like that. But the guy won the Heisman last year. And I've seen a lot of bot drafts that have Jamar Chase drafted ahead of Devontae Smith. Just kind of want to know your thoughts on that. Yeah, 
I would say out of all of the um, college football opt-outs that uh, Jamar Chase was the the best in terms of the fact that it did not affect his draft stock. And I think playing for a bad LSU team would have affected his draft stock. So I think that ultimately was the right decision for him. Um, in terms of evaluating them as prospects, I think if you get the Jamar Chase that we've seen, that I would have him over Devontae Smith as well. I do understand, um, you know, the the I would say recency bias of like, oh, but we just saw Devontae Smith do the craziest things. Um, but I do, and, and I and I'm not. This is not a knock on him at all because I think he's a fantastic player. I think the height and weight thing's a little overplayed, especially because he played in the SEC and look who he was playing against. It's not like he was playing against scrubs. Um, but I am excited to see what he looks like on an NFL team and where he he lands. But I would still put uh, Jamar Chase above him. It's amazing to me where how we've come as a society to where what have you done for me lately is the biggest topic. Right. And it's it and that's obviously the way it is in this debate between these two players is what mm-hmm. have you done what have you done for me lately? And like you said, the recency bias of seeing Devontae Smith, you automatically assume that he's a better prospect than Jamar Chase, which yeah. may or may not be the case. I mean it's it's not it's not to a, be def- determined. It's to be determined, obviously. I'm just curious to know, switching gears, what you think was gonna happen with Deshaun Watson and the the 49ers or might be making a play for him, but I don't know if I don't know if you'd want to give up Nick Bosa and those guys for him. But but I know sticking here in the southeast, the Panthers obviously have a lot of interest in him as well. I saw one bold statement where they could give away three first round picks and Christian McCaffrey for Deshaun Watson. Just kind of give me your thoughts on where you think he ends up. Well, let me tell you, I am one of the world's biggest Christian McCaffrey fans that there are. Um, he was robbed of a Heisman, so I just need to say that. No doubt um, about it. First and foremost. Um, but in terms of Deshaun, I think the the best option in, in terms of like package that seems realistic that they could actually get a team to give up would be Miami. Um, and I could see him going to the Dolphins. Um, I know Matt uh, Miller, who I do my podcast with, said um, that we would probably have to give up George Kittle and Nick Bosa and keep the 12th pick for um, to get to Sean. But I mean, I would I wouldn't be opposed to them doing a package of the 12th pick and Nick Bosa. I think Nick obviously is like a, a game changer for us in terms of of his abilities. But Deshaun Watson is like the holy grail of young quarterbacks that not named Patrick Mahomes. And so I think um, it would be worth it. I do not want to give up George Kittle. That is the one thing I really, really don't want to do. Um, but I think in terms of packages, I think that that Miami has the most realistic shot at, at getting him um, to, to come play for them. But, oh, gosh, it would be it would be tough to, to miss out on that, uh, knowing that, like, even in the draft, we missed out on that. So uh, there are lots of, of factors um, that play into to where Deshaun lands, but it sounds like his preferences are, are um, you know, Miami and San Francisco. And um, I do think Miami has the better, the better chance of landing him. Yeah, I think Miami definitely has the best assets to give up as far as mm-hmm. when you look at, you know, giving up, maybe sending Tua to the Texans. Tua, yeah. And, and then giving away, though, they obviously have three first-round picks. So they they've got a lot of they got a lot of yep. a capital to give up for Deshaun and yep. it'll be I I think that if if the Dolphins get Deshaun then 
they automatically become a playoff team next year just based on the roster that they have and with the the Patriots yeah. the Patriots being down and I know you still have to deal with the Bills with Josh Allen and that defense but the Dolphins obviously become a playoff contender with Deshaun Watson yeah absolutely all right one last thing before I let you go Paige I'm mm-hmm. curious to see um if the sticking local again I know if the Panthers miss out on Deshaun Watson, I've seen a lot of things where they trade up and try to get the number three or four pick and take Justin Fields. I've seen mocks where they take Trey Lance at number eight. I've seen mocks where they take Kyle Pitts at number eight. Just kind of, what are your thoughts on that? And and how do you see how do you kind of see those quarterbacks stack up after that with Wilson? Lance and Fields. So in terms of ranking those guys, uh, Trey Lance, actually, I would put at the top of that list. Um, I think, and and this is something that I'm learning in terms of evaluating players um, going into the NFL uh, before, you know, my role was mainly focused on, on college football and the players there. Um, but, you know, working with Matt and Mello, um, you know, and being at the senior bowl and just kind of seeing how they evaluate players, I sort of um, realized that like, again, people are thinking, what has Trey Lance done for me lately? And forgetting that he played probably almost like the most perfect college football season you could play. um, I guess it's two years ago now. Um, And so I think because we saw one game from him and it wasn't fantastic this past season, um, that people are really not giving him the credit he deserves. But if I had a choice of of those guys, I would honestly go um, Lance, then Wilson, and then Justin Fields. That would be my my order of those guys. But Trey Lance is is the potential for him is is so high, and I just think you. I think too, we've also learned that you you need to take that that risk because I think a lot of people passed up on doing that with like a Patrick Mahomes. And even Deshaun Watson to go for a guy that they thought was had solid play in the ACC. So um, I definitely think that if if you're going to take a, a quarterback, it, it should be Trey Lance. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I think the more and more I've watched Trey Lance, and I kind of get in that mindset too, just like the, everybody else has. Of what have you done yeah. for me lately? And you, we forget the great season that he had, like you mentioned in 2019, mm-hmm. and the more and more I watch him, the more and more I think that I would definitely put him ahead of Wilson and Fields as well. Just, mm-hmm. just, just to see the way the NFL's going now. I mean, you you want guys that can move around in the pocket like he can, and and are tall, kind of like you know. I know Mahomes, and then they're not the tallest guys in the world, but they're obviously. But they're not Kyler Murray. They're taller. So they're <laughs> yeah, good. they're not. They're not Zach Wilson or, or Justin Fields, yeah. uh, t- yeah. tiny, but exactly or, or Kyra Murray, tiny, but uh, mm-hmm. but it's it's amazing to me how and the college games obviously change too. The NFL games just changes so quick, and Mahomes is a big driver of that, and Deshaun Watson as well. Just looking at guys like Josh Allen that have progressed into being guys that can move around in the pocket, make plays with their legs. And to me, that is more valuable than having a guy that can, you know, throw the ball 50 yards down the field. But 
is not fleet of foot in the pocket. Yeah. No, things are definitely changing. And I think teams need to um, look at it from a perspective of, okay, what fits us best as opposed to the best athlete when it comes to, to quarterback specifically. Awesome stuff. Well, Paige, I just can't thank you enough for coming on. I know you're really busy. Tell, tell everybody how they can find you on social media and what you got coming up at Bleacher Report and with the podcast. Yeah, um, they can find me at that sports page, P-A-I-G-E, um, on Twitter and on Instagram. And two guys, a girl pod on Instagram and Twitter. And um, we're doing episodes two days a week. They're on Mondays and Fridays. And it's a lot of college football, NFL drafts, a little bit of college basketball and some quirkiness and craziness and maybe some relationship advice in there, too. So, yeah, that, those are all the places you can find me. Awesome. I encourage everybody, if you hadn't listened to their podcast, please check it out. It's awesome. And then another host of their podcast, Matt Miller, if you hadn't checked out the draftscout.com, please check that out as well. Some great content. Matt has done an incredible job with that, with that site. Yep. It's a pretty awesome place. One last thing Paige, before I let you go that I just thought about is it seems like the Jets one of the most anticipated things is what they're going to do with Sam Darnold. Just wanted to know what you thought about that. And do you think that they should keep Sam Darnold? And I've seen a lot of things where they draft, you know, Zach Wilson at number two. I honest, I think they should keep Sam Darnold and draft some guys to go around him, but I just kind of want to know your thoughts before I let you go. So I agree with you. I think they should keep Sam Darnold and try and figure it out. And um, they've got a new coach. They've got, you know, the time and the, they, it, I, there's no expectation for the Jets. Let's just put it that way. They're, they, they're, there's only up from here. And so if they take a year to try and figure it out, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world because I don't think this quarterback class is worth sacrificing um, a guy like that, that has the potential and been in the league for a little bit um to kind of make that work so i would i would definitely agree that they should draft for what they need around him and and try and make it work with him awesome well thank you so much Paige. i really appreciate you coming on and got to get you back on again uh in march to to talk some march madness if if you're interested and talk some more about the draft yeah of course thank you so much for having me awesome thank you so much for coming on and looking forward to talking with you down the road that was Paige Kuhn from Bleacher Report. You can also find her on Two Guys, a Girl, and a Podcast. If you hadn't checked that out, please do. And if you're if you're looking for relationship advice, they give some great relationship advice on there. Mello and Matt and Paige, <laughs> they do a great job with that. So if you're struggling, if you're going through a hard time, just check them out. They're going to make you laugh. They're going to entertain you just like we hope to do here on Crunch Time Plays. Can't thank you enough for listening. Did want to announce real quick for the guys that are listening to this podcast, I've got Jamie Chadwell, the head coach of Coastal Carolina, going to release an episode with him next Wednesday. So spread the word on that. You can find me on Twitter at Shotgun726 and Crunch Time Plays on Twitter at plays crunch we're also on instagram at shotgun726 and at plays crunch so make sure to give us a follow there some great stuff to hear everything about what's going on 
right here on Crunch Time Plays. Once again, just like I said in the open, thank you so, so much for listening. It really means a lot to me to have you spend 30 minutes to an hour with me and and then the incredible guests that we had on, Nathan King, Matt Doherty, John Shipley, Josh Pate, Mike Yuva, Keith Alsep, Aaron Torres, and now Paige Kuhn. Just can't thank you enough. Make sure to follow all of them on social media. Give them a shout out. I know they would greatly appreciate that, and we're just so thankful to call them friends of Crunch Time Plays. It's about time to get out of here. Once again, thank you so, so much for listening. And I will be back on Monday with another episode of Crunch Time Plays. God bless everybody. I'm out of here.